Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another stimulating conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We're thrilled to have you here, and we are so excited to welcome our dear friend, Barb Wade. We have known Barb for a number of years. Let's just say a long years, ten, time. Ten years. I think we met you like ten, at least 10 years. Um, in least. that sort of, you know, Diane and I were what I would call professional coaches, traditional coaches before we got into the space of complex kids, parenting complex kids. And so Barb is a colleague of ours in, in that real world coaching space, right? <laughs> so we are so excited to have you here. And usually we start this conversation with our guests by asking to tell us about the work they do with complex families. In this case, we're going to tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to ask you as a, as a mom who is a coach and has been a a seasoned coach for a long time, right? And you're also in this realm of parenting complex kids. So tell us a little bit about that. Like here you are as a coach, as a professional and a mom, and you're really wearing all those hats in this conversation. What brings you here now? Well, (laughs) how long do we have? How much time? Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, you're asking me such a fascinating question because I am a professional coach of 20 years now, right? And I work with people on self-evolvement and self-compassion and pursuing, you know, their dreams and overcoming their obstacles and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm well-trained and I have, you know, degrees and blah, blah. And I ended up with kids that have (laughs) baffled me. And yet this is what I do for a living. I work with people on how to be effective in the world. And I've got kids who are personally in, in, in different ways, kind of blowing up against, you know, what, what you might call norms. You know, I've got two very neurodiverse kids. And so it's been an interesting ride as a coach going, oh, I'm over my head here on the parenting thing. And yet I, sometimes I feel like I should be a perfect parent because of my training and what I do with people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's what comes up is this notion that, you know, as a coach, our job is to help people reach their full potential, right? Right. Well, and as a parent, our job is to help our kids reach their full potential. Only you didn't get the training manual for this one. Right. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I mean, clients also come in, you know, I work with very busy people, lots of moms, lots of high achievers, just lots of people who've kind of fallen off their own priority list. They know they're not happy. They know that they're just living lives, I'd say, of quiet desperation. And they they raise their hands to come into the coaching (laughs) relationship, right? They're raising their hands and saying, I want help. I want to change my life. 
I don't know if my kids are raising their (laughs) hands and saying, you know what, mom, I want to evolve and better my life. So, you know, like for me, I've got to figure out where and how does that intervention come in? It's a different agreement, right? Although when you got a kid who's trans and you do, part of what they're doing is saying, I want to figure out who I am. Right. I want to be who I am. Yes. And what's coming up for me is that you're in good company, right? So we, Elaine and I hear all the time from other professionals who are therapists or, you know, other counselors counselors or or other things like that, right? And it's teachers. And it's like, like I even help parents do the thing, but (laughs) I can't, I'm I'm supposed to know this and I can't do this. And it's, it's the, it's so personal. And so what is it for you that you think is so different that, that makes it hard to keep that coach professional hat on as much? You know, to a certain extent, you are making me realize how much my coaching skills have helped and have contributed to my kids thriving as much as they are. So it's not one or the other, but what I've been most surprised by is in short, I have one older child who's on the spectrum. And then my younger child is transgender, recently diagnosed on the spectrum and has a lot of anxiety and ADHD issues too. So, and and um, both teenagers, let me just, oh yes. Let me clarify that right now. Yeah. 18 and 15 right now are the two ages. And, you know, one of the things that's probably been the most challenging for me is my emotional reaction and all the internal in terms of Mm -hmm. what I'm making it mean about me as a mom that I, I wouldn't do in coaching a client, you know, like with coaching a client, I see them as so powerful and capable. And I, I, I'm not taking anything personally when my kids are melting down and just like my younger one who has a lot of mood dysregulation and a lot of issues with distress tolerance. And I get triggered. I get activated about some failure in myself that I'm not managing my kid better, that my kid is having these problems that I, that I haven't quite figured out the right way to come in and rescue and fix things, which I'm learning with your help, you guys. You guys are really helping me move to so much more understanding and compassion through your work that I, I shouldn't necessarily know these things, right? That we we don't necessarily have a training manual on how to deal with complex kids, especially as their complexities are being revealed over time. So it's not right? like you get a report, <laughs> like, you know, praying your child's five, here's your report. These are going to be all their complexities. So you can start planning now. Like, it's revealed as we go, right? To answer your question, Diane, one of my my biggest challenges is the the personal mm. reactions, the worry, the, oh my gosh, where's my child's life get ahead if they continue down this path? The thing that clouds my ability to be more neutral is has been my emotional journey when my kids are in, in crisis. And I'm, I'm working real hard on that. And I've taken this and I would say now it's more like this. <laughs> I'm doing <Yeah>. better. <laughs> yeah. but, well, and, yeah. and that's so important and so true for all parents is that concept of taking it personally. And, and it's hard not to let all of our stuff show up. I must be a bad mom or did I cause this? I mean, there's a lot of situations where that comes yeah. up. And yeah. I guess the question is in that lens, what is it that parents need to know about kind of how to look at it and and your role in it that can really help make it easier? Because it seems like you're starting to get in that groove. Well, a few things come to mind. I mean, one of the most important things for me was, well, I'll say a couple things that come to mind. One is I needed a lot more information. 
complex kids are complex kids and there are experts out there. And the first thing Mm. I need to do is concede without making it shaming that I I need more information about ASD or anxiety or ADHD or the different neurodiversities and how these kids think and how their brains work and how they process information. So I could dovetail with the way that they see the world. And so, yes. so can I, I just want to interject yeah. because I want to, I want to break up what you just said. It's, oh, okay. it's information and then understanding, right? Because they're not the same thing, right? First, you needed to learn about ASD and anxiety and ADHD, right. and then you need, needed to figure out how is this manifesting and showing up in my kids, right? Right. So there's that applying that information to an understanding of them that we often don't take that break those into two steps. And I just want to highlight it because you captured it well. I'm really glad you did because you're right that once I got a bunch of information, I then have had to try on what's relevant for each of my kids and what tools work or don't work for each of my kids and how they're both on the spectrum we know now completely different spectrum kids, right? The way that their spectrumy stuff manifests night and day. So yes, I've had to kind of apply and finesse and understand and practice. And so I appreciate that you kind of made that little distinction. You know, I remember when we first started, and this is going back maybe 15 years. and, And what I used to say is that as parents of complex kids, we're called upon to make all of these complex medical decisions Mm-hmm. without the information and the understanding we need to make those decisions, right? And then we go to the experts because they're the experts and, and they don't have the information either. And so then we're sort of in this swirl of, okay, I just need to know and love my kid and do the best I can and try things and see what works and what doesn't, as right. you say, to see what sticks. Right. And that's, it takes a lot of confidence as a parent to do and- that. A second thing I want to answer to you, Diane, because you you asked a great question. The second thing that came up was, it's going to sound really silly. I don't know if anyone's said this quite before, but I have to realize that they're just trying to meet their needs instead yeah. of they're trying to annoy me. They're trying to freaking manipulate me. They're trying to <laughs> get their way and badger me. Like, I guess there's been a shift in my understanding that they're just trying to meet their needs in whatever way their brains think they're going to meet those needs, which puts me in a place of more compassion because there were a few years there where I was getting very frustrated. You know, I was getting very frustrated. Like, why are you behaving this way? We've gone over this a million times. Like, like I was almost, and again, you know, it was probably because I was new at how much was coming at me because it really in puberty is when things really blew up for many of us. I think that's the case. So at first, like your first six months with a kid in puberty, you know, um, and, <laughs> and that's just any kid. But recognizing that, oh, my God, you know, he's not doing this to me. He's just trying to meet his needs. Like, I just wanted to, to make that point because initially I thought, felt, why is he being so difficult? Why is he being so belligerent? Does he get off on this? Does he enjoy, like, I don't know, I'm being, maybe admitting things I shouldn't admit publicly. <laughs> no, this, this happens it. to everybody. Yeah. Well, and we've had a lot of conversations about diagnoses and about like what we're seeing is that when you can get a, di- when you get a diagnosis of ASD or, or anxiety, it seems to come with a lot more compassion than a diagnosis of ADHD. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. so the ADHD kind of looks to, well, that's a behavior issue. You should just, and as soon as you get into ASD and, and anxiety, it's like, oh, they're trying to cope. And I would argue that the ADD kids are trying to cope too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, a little bit more all over the place. Right. But I love that, that invitation to parents to not see it as about what the impact is on me, but to see it as what they're seeking. They're in pain, they're hurting, they're struggling, and they're seeking some way to make sense of themselves in this world. Mm-hmm. Well, and isn't it funny that both the things that you said, Barb, it's like the taking it personally. Okay, that's about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other one is like, oh yeah, wait, that's about me. As humans, that's what we do, right? It's just sort of everything is about me. And so we try to make what's going on in our world relative mm-hmm. To our mm-hmm. own personal experience. So of course our kids' behavior is about us or the way they're acting, especially because some of these kids do kind of attack and, and jump on, on us is about us, right? And so how do you flip that and begin to use that, what you were just saying, Barb, which is like, this is about them trying to meet their needs and not mm-hmm. about me. Well, I think a couple of things. I think that realization began the flip because once you have that, like sometimes you realize something and think you can never go back to not realizing what you're realizing, if that makes any sense. Like once I realized, oh my God, these kids are just trying to stay alive. You know, it's so hard to be a teenager right now. There's so much pressure. There's the media, the phones, the incessant, you know, friendship stuff. There's, you know, ridiculously high stress school. Like they're just trying to like survive. And it switched me to a place of so much more compassion. And I think, Diane, I think that began this kind of flip to make it, oh, it's not about me. It's about how do I, you know, how do I really support them? How do I really come with a full compassionate heart. And also like with my clients, I hold my clients as powerful in my mind. I hold my clients as powerful, as capable, as people who need a little bit of guidance and need some accountability and need some insights and some structure, but who are absolutely systemically capable of being successful in the world, achieving their, their dreams, being the person they're meant to be. And I realized oh my gosh, why would I not see my children that way? Why would I think I got to come in and fix everything or it's all going to go downhill? I don't feel that way about my clients. Yeah. So starting to, to hold my children as powerful, to yes. hold my children as capable, even amidst all the symptomology, which isn't important and don't even get me on the labels because our labels continue to change. So I realize that's yeah. only minimally helpful is to hold them as powerful. And then to say, okay, so if they're powerful and they're capable, and I'm just here as a guide. So to make that like separation, this is not about me. Then what's our next approach? Then it becomes like a curious project. I don't know if I'm articulating it well. No, it does. And and I think that the piece that's coming out, it it goes back to that. There's not one answer here. There's not one kid here. There's not, I mean, there's There's no silver bullet. There's no silver bullet. And I think that parents, a lot of times they want, they're so hungry to make it their, their kid's life better, their life better, that they're looking for that magic bullet. And what you're describing so beautifully is an experimental, you know, growth mindset mm-hmm. of, okay, so what am I going to try today? And what might work, you know, it's, and with these kids, the thing you try yesterday that works really well may not work tomorrow. And no, that's the hard part. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> well, you know, what's coming up is you're saying this, like, I remember I used to say to my kids, you're going to be amazing adults. We just got to get you there. <gasps> I love that. Right? That oh my god, I get goosebumps thinking about <laughs> thinking about All my the time. like like sometimes I think my kid's gonna be a really prominent activist in the world if I can yes. just get him to adulthood. <laughs> 
Right. Because he's, because there's that. Yeah. I was interviewing somebody else. There's another podcast episode on demand avoidance. I'll connect you with it. And for those of you listening, it's, it was a really terrific conversation. It's that same thing. These kids, they want to make a difference in the world. This is the ASD piece and they want to change the world and they want to, they care about something deeply. And he does have the capacity to like flip the switch in the world somehow. You just got to get him to that point of seeing his capacity. Mm-hmm. So, and let's talk about that because even, so first you switch to seeing the capacity and then there's, there's this piece about helping them see it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So where are you on that journey at this point? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I am in the middle of some really interesting skills I'm practicing around empowering them to actually struggle and then come out the other side of struggle. So I had been coming in a little too much to help and that's okay because I think that's sometimes where we start. You know, I was learning about what their neurodiversity is and coming in and helping and coming in and, you know, kind of momming the situation. And right now I'm really in a phase where I'm being advised from my support system that the, the better opportunity is to say, huh, so what do you think you want to do about that? Wow, I really hear you. God, like, so attune and validate and then hold them and and, and hand it back to them. And initially I would have been like, well, we have a few options, honey. (laughs) And I'd give the options, you know, and and now I'm, I'm going to that little tweak of, so how do you think you want to handle this? You know, yeah. what, what's the best resource you have to deal with this? What do you perceive your options might be? And I didn't realize that before, by kind of s- swooping in with the ideas, I was unintentionally implying, I don't think you can handle it. So let me give you this menu. Yeah. Let me give you this menu of choices. And it's interesting because I see the kids are pissed. They want me to tell them how to handle something. So they're more like, well, I don't know what I can do. And and I, well, let's talk about it. And initially, but when they solve something, the light, the self-esteem, the, the, wow, I handled it. And I, I came up with it and the confidence That's where I'm at right now is watching how much if I hold a container for them to use tools and for them to figure things out and for them, this is so hard, but to watch them make a choice where I go, oh God, this is probably going to be a stumble, but but I got to let them have the stumble and then go, oh, wow, here's why that didn't work. And then what do you want to try? And then they finally get to solution and they're so you know, amazed and have so much self-esteem. So I have to sit on my hands sometimes to not Well, and you're sitting on your hands, but you're sitting close by. And I think that that's, I'm going to put in a public service announcement here because there's a lot of parents listening who don't have the foundation of relationship and trust that you've worked so hard, Barb, over the years to, to build with your kids. And so a lot of parents are like, even having a hard time imagining having the conversations that you're describing with their kids. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe take a step back and, and reflect on some of the things that you've done to strengthen the relationship between yourself and the kids so that mm-hmm. you can have that sitting close, but empowering conversation now. Wow. You know, I wonder if I could even put a finger on it. You know, I've always with the kids and so has their dad 
done a lot of, I care about you. I want to spend time with you. I'm interested in you and who you mm-hmm. are. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Oh, I love that about you. Or, oh, like we've just always been very demonstrative in saying, I see you in different ways, like saying, I see you or, or showing, I see you. It's not just saying, but showing to these kids, I see you. I see you. I don't know, Diane, how to explain it. I think that's created an intimacy where there is the trust you might be referencing. Well, so here's what's coming up when I'm hearing you say, okay. and yeah. you know, for those of you listening who are in our community and you know know our methodology, what you what you've just described is moving from director mode to collaborator mode. Right? Oh, from phase okay. one to phase two parenting, right? You know, you've read about that. Yes, I have. And then. And the relationship and having a foundation of really leaning into the relationship has enabled you to make that shift because it's, you know, when you say to a kid, I'm curious about you, I want to know you, I'm interested in you, you're building relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's at the core of all Mm -hmm. of the other dynamics that you're playing Mm -hmm. with. So that's when you say, I don't know how to put a finger on it. I hear you putting a finger right on it, which is you've paid attention to your relationship really, really deeply mm-hmm. and over time. Yeah, that's know? true. Yeah. And it's paying dividends now uh, in the way that you describe. So I am grateful for that. Yeah. Cause your relationship is kind of your insurance policy, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. you got that relationship, when something goes awry, they're going to be willing to trust you and, and connect with you and talk to you mm-hmm. when they need some help instead of pushing you away because they don't right. trust. So if you're listening and you have a young kid and you're in that process of of creating that relationship, lean into it and really yeah. do the work. And if you're a parent of an older kid and that you feel in that stretch of the relationship and, and they're they're separating themselves, find ways to the, those tendrils to connect back in, you know, and I love the way you were saying it, Barb, to kind of really see what they're about. I mean, they're yes. now at a point where they're unique beings with interests and creative juices and you know what and I a mom the other day who's like but I don't care about video games and I'm like oh well your Diana does. I was just gonna jump in and go I'm on my 11th anime series yeah one too. of my children <laughs> me too. and we sit and we watch this anime show as this bonding opportunity and I am yep. literally like sneaking a peek at the clock like how much more time in this friggin episode but we're our, right. our 11th show because that's important. That's what they, that's That's important to her. And then this is my older one. And then I can ask questions like, what do you think Rin's going to do? And what was his motivation there? I didn't understand that part. And like, I use it as, you know, or how did she know she could could trust him? Like, and I, I try to pull things out of this anime, you know, as discussion, like to create it where you can, (laughs) but you know, people are like, Oh, you've watched, I'm like, Oh yeah, I could tell you the plot of, you know, like, but you do it, you do it because you love them. So yeah. 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 So it's hard to believe, but we are almost out of time. So tell oh, people a little gosh. bit about how they can find, I told you it was going to go fast. Um, <laughs> how can they get in touch with you and find out more about your fabulous sure. resources? Yeah. Well, as a coach, my website is barbwade.com. It's just my name, B-A-R-B-W-A-D-E. And that talks all about the work I do with, like I said, busy, high achieving people who live in a lot of adrenaline and chaos, but are very successful and holding everything together and maybe maybe need some self-love time, some self-care time, some time to really reassess and discern their priorities and values. That's something I do with 
a lot of people who go, yeah. I don't know if I've reassessed my priorities and values at this age and I'm still living a life I planned 20 years ago. 20 years you know? ago, yeah. So yeah. Um, people can read about that and reach out for, I mean, I'm always happy to talk to anybody who wants to have just even a, you know, a, just a, a curiosity conversation about these kinds of thoughts and ideas. Um, yeah. So that's where people can learn more about me professionally, at least. Super you awesome. Know. And if anyone wants to talk mom to mom about any of this, reach out to me as well. We're a part of a very special tribe. We are. Yeah. We are. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Something you hope parents will take away from our conversation today? I guess I would say um, I was going to use this word earlier and you used it and I, I noted it, Elaine, which had to do with curiosity. You mentioned mm-hmm. curiosity a few minutes ago. And, and I guess I was going to say, if I, I guess if I want to put a button on anything, it's really shifted me to be curious with my mm-hmm. kid instead of pissed off and annoyed. Yeah. And I know we, that sounds really silly. You say curious, not, not curious. curious. Oh gosh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'm in the past, I jumped to an assumption about what, yeah. what they're thinking or doing. And, um, and I've been wrong a lot of the time. Yeah. And also that assumption has made me feel a little, and uh, curiosity is probably the concept that's changed things the most. How, tell me what yeah. you were thinking. Tell me what well, you were thinking when you did that, you know, or tell me what you're thinking now. And there's this whole world of information I wasn't seeking before. Instead was, of why did you do it? Yeah. Right? right. That's the shift. If you take away the why, which is puts them on the defense and it's kind right. of accusatory. Yeah. And, yeah. What, and you just said something and I know we're out of time, but I just want, I don't want to leave without touching on this notion of the humility that this brings up for us as parents, because yeah. we didn't know and we don't know. And we kind of touched on that earlier, but we haven't talked about it here. There's this, there's something about not knowing and being okay with that, mm-hmm. that allows us to be curious. Mm-hmm. And allows and, us to get help when we need it. Yeah. And especially hard for someone who's a coach or a therapist or some kind of personal growth healer, or because we, we do put the pressure on ourselves that we should know these things. This is what right. we do for a living. This is what we're trained in. We should, and to shift from there's some, I don't know, deficiency in me that yeah. I'm not catching this versus, oh, this is a complex kid. This is not you know, dot to dot to dot. And also they're my child, not my client. So there's a different relationship there. So yeah, humility uh, has been actually a saving grace for me to stop beating myself up. Like I'm not supposed to be at a different point with this particular type of relationship, you know, than the point I am at. And I'm proud of the point I'm at. I've been working my tail off on parent, how to parent these kids. Right. So, you know, we got to give ourselves that credit too. Yeah. So. So fun wrap. Do you have a quote or motto, or I think you said a concept that you want to share as we wrap up? Oh gosh, you know, it would have been just what I said about curiosity, actually. You know, like that's the, that's kind of the button I I was thinking of putting on everything because it's made such an amazing difference. Yeah. I don't have a particular quote. I mean, sometimes I like, we can do hard things, you know, Glennon Mm -hmm. Doyle. Uh, you yeah, prob- yeah. people have probably used that one, but I, I like that one a lot. We can do hard things. Like that's nice because instead of trying to convince me something isn't hard, <laughs> it's more like it is, and we can do hard things. And I well, think and that's it, what you said you were doing with your kids. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, and you use the word we, and sometimes, you know, we want to, while we want our kids to become independent individuals, sometimes it's powerful to be able to say that I got your back. I'm here with you and we mm-hmm. can do this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And even we can do hard things as me, even mom, the we being our moms, the we being yeah. the community parents. of parents yeah. that we're not alone, that we're not alone. Yeah. And that's because of the kind of work you guys do in the world, honestly, that we're not alone figuring it out. So yeah, thank God. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was alone for 10 years and that was not easy. So, oh. all right, my friend, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your heart, your transparency, your love, and for modeling for, for us and for all of our community that what the grace is that comes with that humility. It's beautiful to see. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Love you guys. So, so Di, anything we're wrapping up with? No, thank you for all of you who are listening. Thanks for what you're doing for your kids and for yourself. At the end of the day, it makes all the difference. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.